I am Jennifer Zeman, your host of the Food That Binds on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Today, I'm joined by Justin and Jonathan Fox, the twin brother duo behind Fox Brothers Barbecue, an Atlanta mainstay and the official barbecue of the Atlanta Falcons. The Fox Brothers are on their way to opening their latest restaurant in the Chattahoochee Food Works, which will be their largest project to date. We discuss their new endeavor, growing up in Texas, and what it's like to be in business with your twin brother. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Could you introduce yourselves one by one? This is my first, by the way, podcast where I'm interviewing two people at once. You're going to have to bear with me. (laughs) Luckily, everyone's track gets separate. But could you introduce yourselves one by one to listeners um, who might not know who you are? Uh, I am Justin Fox. Uh, one of the Fox Brothers of Fox Brothers Barbecue. And I am Jonathan Fox, the other Fox Brother in Fox Brothers Barbecue. So if listeners from outside of Atlanta don't know, Jonathan and Justin have probably one of the most popular barbecue restaurants in town. They've been around for quite a while, which we'll get into, but they are known for being one of the best, even though they brought Texas barbecue to Atlanta and managed to, you know, take the crown with Texas barbecue, which is huge. But um, so just like, let's rewind back for you guys, like, you know, back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? Kind of grew up all over. Uh, we were born in, in San Antonio, had a short stint there before we, we moved to Houston and lived outside of, in, you know, in the suburb of Houston until we were in about ninth grade. And then we moved to Fort Worth. Was there anyone in y'all's life that kind of stoked that lifelong love of food? I think, you know, growing up, my, my dad and my mom, bless your hearts, were not the best cooks in the world. My dad's favorite ingredient was green peas. Anything he could put green peas in, he did. And um, it was usually like some type of goulash dish or something like that. But um I don't think it was uh, my my dad and my mom got divorced pretty early, and um, I don't think it was till after uh, he married my stepmom that she she was a better cook. She cooked dinners uh, nightly, and every once in a while she would allow us to uh, throw our hand in the pot as well, and you know take a stab at cooking. Yeah, I recall you know like like Justin said, my parents got divorced early on. We were with my dad and. He, he worked, and so we were, you know, we come home from school every day and, and kind of have to fend for ourselves. And I remember, you know, a lot of French bread pizzas and things like that. And uh, one of the earliest memories of, of cooking something was, um, oh gosh, I mean, I was at least in elementary school and trying to find a snack and, and cooking, a, I found a box of instant potatoes and 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 messing with that that's a, that's a, one of the earliest things i can remember cooking but uh also like justin said my my stepmom uh when when my dad remarried she cooked a lot more and that kind of you know we had a we had a pretty small palate of what we were we were used to eating and she kind of uh pushed us um or forced us into expanding that palate and by this is what's for dinner if you do, yeah. if you're not going to eat it that's You're my style with my kid. It, yeah, it, yeah. If you can't make something out of this, there's fresh fruit for dessert. You know, yeah. I'm not a short order cook. <laughs> so did she teach you guys how to cook or did she just kind of spark it? No, I, I don't think there was really any teaching. I, you know, I kind of enjoyed 
just making things and and learning on my own. Uh, the, the Food Network had kind of started around the same time, and and I remember you know like Emerald wasn't even a big thing yet, but but shows like um, you know Alter Brown and things like where they actually taught you how to cook and and learning things. And and I, I remember in high school, you know, my parents would go out of town and and I would use that that opportunity to use their kitchen and and cook for my friends. And, you know, it was like, instead of keg parties, you know, we had dinner parties and <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, you know, that was kind of the first foray into, in, into cooking and, and, and learning that, Hey, I enjoy cooking for people. And, and really I had a, um, I waited tables at this little, little cafe in Fort Worth kind of over in the arts district. And, and, um, the, uh, the chef, was a very nice you know lady and she you know i just talked to her and and she kind of like encouraged me and i would talk to her about some things that i was thinking about and she was like try it or try this you know things like that so it was like kind of kind of just a hodgepodge of learning to cook from different different people in my life and it was a it was a lot of just you know trial and error you know i, I always think back to one time at a, a friend's house you know we went to a friend's parents house and we're like, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to cook a rack of ribs. And uh, so we went to the store, there was like six of us and we bought one rack of baby rack ribs. <laughs> and um, we're like, we're going to cook this rack of baby rack ribs and put it on the grill and cooked it for probably 10 minutes on high heat. And, you know, it was all nice and charred black on the outside. And, nice. Super tender, and, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> medium, medium rare. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So you learn, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, as long as you learn from what you're doing, you know, it's, it's like you just don't give up. And that's one thing we never did was just keep on trying. And when did y'all start cooking together as brothers? I, w- I moved to Atlanta in 1998 and Justin moved out here what a year or two later yeah something like that you know in in one of the first things I remember I had a buddy that I grew up with in Fort Worth and he moved out here for the Olympics and I got a job in Atlanta and he was like you know come on out and and I was like man I can't wait we're gonna have like house parties and we're gonna you know cook and and do all this stuff and I was like wait I don't know anyone and he doesn't know a lot of people either so um so I, you know, before my brother got here, I remember one of the first things I did was um, he worked at a restaurant in Buckhead, and and I, I took a, a Stephen Piles cake recipe and and um, made a cake and, and and sold it to his restaurant. It was like my first like I couldn't freelance doing websites, so I could freelance doing uh, baking and pastry. So. You know, things like that got me started. And then my brother moved out in 2000. And I think by 2001, we'd started kind of uh, having our, our little backyard parties where we were cooking for everybody. So that, that was kind of the start of it. And, and so that's how Fox Brothers began. I mean, when I first came on the scene, my ex-husband, Jay, who you all know, he found you guys at Smith's old bar. And he was like, oh, my God, you, you have to come try this barbecue. It's ridiculous. And in fact, it was very ridiculous. Gosh, what year was that? 2005? Yeah, somewhere around there. It's crazy you guys have built such an empire 
in such a short time where you're like, aren't you like the official barbecue of the Atlanta Falcons now? Yeah, we're in <laughs> the stadium. We we did a sponsorship with them for a while. We're not really anymore, but because uh, pandemic kind of, you know, obviously the straps on things. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been crazy. I mean, going from basically a pop up, you know, and I was, I was you were like the first pop up. I know. I was like, we we're doing pop ups where they're actually pop ups. You were and the then, first uh, pop up to go to restaurant. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's for and sure. It wasn't very legal. I mean, we were cooking things at our house. And I mean, we lived in this house in Brookhaven and my stove was smaller than this laptop I'm working on. And I mean, we couldn't even fit. I couldn't shut the door if a, if a full size aluminum pan was in there. Uh, it had to stay open. So, you know, we were cooking the food and, and, and you know, we met the, the guys up at Smith's and, you know, they're like, you can sell your barbecue up here. So we were kind of starting to do that slowly and surely and we were cooking at our house and i would i would vacuum seal portions of brisket or pork and and they were literally microwave i mean they would heat it up in the microwave and played it it still tasted good though it's I mean, at the time at the time there wasn't the, there wasn't anything we, better i'm no, sorry I there wasn't you know, when we opened it was like you know a lot of people would i i thought a lot of people knew who we were through that pop-up and i found out no a lot of people don't know who we are and 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 they're like you know why don't you do it like this or where all this you know and and i just said we're not your daddy's barbecue you know we're not the barbecue you grew up with i mean we 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 are fresh and you know we were pulling pork to order slicing brisket to order just things that didn't happen you know uh harold's was not far from from our decab location and you know they were they're chopped ham and things like that. So, you know, we were just trying to, I, I don't say that we were, uh, you know, the boutique barbecue, but I think it was kind of like the the start of it. But you did have more. I think they were, I think the dishes felt a little more current because you were, you would come up with all of these, you know, I used to call them gut bombs and creative flipping, mm-hmm. like, you know, the Frito pie. And what was that one? The Lopez? What was that? The, Lopez. the Lopez, right? And yeah. I think that you made it, you added like a little wink, but I think it's really <laughs> interesting. Something I do want to talk to you guys about is, is for a town, at least at the time I grew up in Atlanta, I had left, I came back and, you know, Atlanta never really had a very discernible barbecue scene, which I'm not the first person to say that. And when you guys came on, it was like you were so well received, which I found always so surprising because you were Texas style in Atlanta, Georgia. Why do you think your barbecue vibe restaurant vibes, you know, was such a pull for Atlantans? Like, what was it that made you guys so endearing? Because the reason I bring up the Falcons is you know, you guys have become such an Atlanta institution, you know, in such a short time and so synonymous with being Atlanta. I don't think um, when we first started, I don't think we were really setting out to like say that, you know, we're Texas style barbecue. You know, we always said we are, we're a mix of where we're at and where we're from. So, you know, we, we have to do, you know, we were born on Texas Independence Day in San Antonio, Texas, you know. So obviously we're Texans to the core. So that influence is, influence is going to come out. But we're also in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, when we're cooking for our friends at our house, you know, they would they would critique everything and then say things like, you know, um, next week, let's do some Brunswick stew. And I'll be like, I don't even know what Brunswick stew is. 
Yeah, yeah I think and, that was the main thing is, and why it was well received is, is we took the flavors and, and the style of barbecue that we knew and grew up with and, and kind of tweaked it to find out, you know, what sort of tastes and items that, that these people that are living here are looking for and, and kind of just refine it and, and kind of bring it back to Texas, but keep it, you know, Southern. And I think at the time too, I mean, like, like you mentioned out the Frito pie and things like that, a lot of barbecue restaurants at the time weren't known for the sides. And, and, you know, when, when I moved to the South, I loved like Southern cooking and, and like the, the, you know, the whole cons, just the whole basis of it. And uh, so fresh sides and like meat and three type sides and things like that, that, you know, would go over well and, and respond, you know, people would respond to were the things that weren't happening in barbecue restaurants. And I think that that helped. So fresh barbecue, fresh, you know, fresh made sides. I mean, we, we smoke our own ham hocks. We get them in raw and, and brine them and smoke them and make pork stocks for, you know, our, all of our sauces and green beans and, and everything. It's a, it's a true labor of love. And I think that's what people eventually respond to. Well, wouldn't you say that people have, I mean, there have been black barbecue cooks that have been doing this kind of thing. They just don't get the same spotlight as I'm sure you would agree. I mean, you saw that Adrian Miller, Soul Food Scholar, just wrote that book, Black Smoke, mm-hmm. um, about all the black pitmasters in the South. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, do you ever feel like as white men that dominate the conversation, like any like guilt or I mean, you, you guys are like the best community members, but there is like that inherent guilt, right? In anything when you feel like other people aren't getting their due. Do you have uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I feel like as long as we uh, continue to do good for our community and good for our business, our name, our brand, and the people that work for us and provide opportunities for everyone, whether they're color, they're, you know, whether they're male or female. I think, you know, as long as we're doing our part, I feel like, you know, I I don't feel like we should feel that guilt. And, And we try to do that daily. I mean, that's kind of like the, the role that we've expanded to is, you know, not necessarily being the pit master on site, but just the, the job of, of making our business and, and our core people, you know, like they're, they, they're respected. And no matter who you are and what you're, I think as long as we stick to that, then, then I think you get the credit that you get. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, but that is something, I mean, you guys, are known. That's my next question. You guys are known for being amazing community members. I mean, if there is anyone who needs relief, like, you know, I see you guys are some of the first to step up, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. Why is that so important to you? Because not every restaurant group is the same. I think, you know, it's taken back to, you know, when we first opened up the restaurant, we've been open for 14 years now. It's crazy to crazy. think that, but um, it feels like yesterday. But, you know, just the way we've been blessed with the, the amount of business that we've given, they've been given, you know, we opened up and six months later, we were in a recession. And, you know, while most restaurants were suffering, our business was increasing. And because people, it's, it's barbecue. So, you know, people want that comfort. They might skip the fine dining trip out, but they're going to go for barbecue. And because of that, we became 
successful at what we're doing. And so, you know, we've decided there's got to be something that we can give back to our community. You know, we, one of the first um, groups that we gave out to was Maryland Elementary in Canada Park because they were our neighbors. So, you know, we're, we've always helped them out. And then it eventually comes down the road to, you know, Hogs for the Cause. And um, can you tell people what that big, is? It, Hogs for the Cause is a um, group out of New Orleans and they formed probably 13 years ago, somewhere around there. And they basically give no questions asked grants to families with children fighting pediatric brain cancer. And so these families can be together while their children are in treatment so they can still pay their car note, their rent, their mortgage, their bills, you know, whatever. They can take time off of work and, and Hogs for the Cause gives them money, no questions asked, to take care of all that for them. And we raised money. We partnered up with Taqueria del Sol locally and Home Team Barbecue out of Charleston. And and we do, you know, drives throughout the year. And, and you know, and, and all of our, our money that we raise goes to that. And, and it's just, it's really, at the end of the day, I mean, barbecue has always been built on community and giving back to the community. So, I, you know, it's just not something that we ever thought about, you know, it was just like, hey, we need to do this, whether, you know, it was a, a police officer that was injured or, you know, someone needs help with this. And, and or, you know, and Atlanta's been like a town of people that jump on 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 causes and and, uh, you know, people we've been there to help people and people have been there to help us. I mean, we've been you know, we had a tree fall in a restaurant and, and um, we were open, what, 36 hours after the tree fell. Yeah, it was something crazy. <laughs> so yeah. I was covering yeah. it and I was like, I was like, wait, they're already. Free open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, you know, we've had we've had employees that have, you know, you know, we had a chef that passed from brain uh, from breast cancer and and um, another from pancreatic cancer. So our general manager at the time. So, you know, we just, we, we, we've been there and, and felt it and, and just, you know, it's just, it, it just makes sense to just do what you should do and, and give back. And it seems like your giving back is proportionate to your success. I mean, like you said, you guys opened in 2007 on DeKalb Avenue and now 14 years later, you have how many restaurants? <laughs> Can you break them on all down now? Because there's a lot, right? Uh, it's hard to say. I still say we have one, but we have DeKalb Avenue. But we do, we have the kiosk over on Ollie Drive uh, in Armor Yards, which is right down the road from where our commissary kitchen is that produces the food for our um, catering. We also have the Terrapin Tap Room, which is up at uh, Truist Park. We serve the barbecue along with the uh, terrapins brewing beers up there. And it's great because it's, it's it's on the outside of um, and the inside of the, so you can enter from outside or inside. It's in the battery and, and yeah, inside the battery, of the barbecue. So you can access it from everywhere. So in that, we have our new location opening, hopefully um, in August. To, you know, COVID is you know, pushing everything, but... Um, and that's I at mean, the works yeah. in, uh, yeah. in Steelix yeah. Development on Chattahoochee on Avenue. West side. Upper West Side. Upper West Side. <laughs> <laughs> They're really trying to make it happen. Yeah. They're really I trying mean, to make it happen. It's a great location over there. Yeah. I mean, the Steelix 
have planned out a, a, I think something that's going to be really cool. We've been, we've been trying to open that second location. That's why it just, it feels weird talking about how many locations we have when we're still like, we spent like five or six years trying to get this, this, what we technically call our second location open. So it just, we've been at in, this is like our fifth location that we were looking at. So, I mean, even, I mean, we looked, you know, we're all over the West side. Yeah, I remember when you guys were... told me last year for Atlanta magazine yeah. when you had secured it and it had been mm-hmm. a long time coming. And this really? is your first like, official. <laughs> this is your first official sit down Fox Brothers location, not affiliated yes. with something yes, else. Not affiliated with something else. And much bigger from what I yes. recall. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to have, um, you know, and uh, it should have technically been open right now, but, you know, when the pandemic set on, we, we tried to, we tried to look back and say, should we decrease the size of it? Should we, you know, and then as the pandemic crept on, we're like, look, let's just, let's keep it as is. Let's just open it. So it's, you know, it's at least almost twice the size of our current spot. We're going to have, you know, the kitchens built out to handle, you know, some volume. We're going to have a big uh, to-go area with the market where we sell, you know, cold packed meats and, and sides and stuff like that specialty stuff once we get into it we have a bigger bar i mean we actually just did a bar tasting menu you know tasted the the cocktail menu and because we don't sell you know a lot of liquor and beer at at our restaurant i mean we have it and people get a beer or a margarita while they're waiting uh they may get another one when they sit down but you know, it's just barbecue. It comes out so quick that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not sitting down drinking bottles of wine or, you know, so there's going to be a, a lot more things to play with. At this and point. lingering. It sounds like rather yeah. than, you know, in and out, it's much more of a spot for you guys to, you know, yeah, create that linger like vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more parking, a lot more parking. A lot right? more parking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and there's no potholes in front of it too. So. <laughs> God, Cab Avenue is yeah. fun though. Yeah. It's got a lot of character. So, yeah. I mean, as the empire has grown, I mean, what is it like to work with your brother? I mean, I t- I rock. I talked to uh, Ron Sue, and he was like, "It's not for the faint of heart <laughs> to work no. with your siblings." You no. know, um, what's what's that like? And does it get easier or harder the bigger you guys get? Well, it depends on what you it's, ask. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the day of the week. Yeah, and, I mean, it, we uh, not only did we work together, but for a long period of time, obviously, well, up until what I would say four probably years for the ago, five, five years ago, we lived together. Too. Damn, so, that's a so, lot. Um, you know, once I once I finally moved in with my now wife, you know, it was like, okay, you know, let's 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 break this, you know. But um, you know, it was, it, you have an ally, you know, and 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 at the end of the day, you know, you have someone that you know you might not see eye to eye with, or or you know, just agree with anything, or have your your word, your, your good days, your bad days, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you've got an ally, especially if we're twins too. So, I mean, it's, it's just, Oh yeah, that. there's that, but, sorry, there's listeners, that. they're also twin brothers. I forgot to <laughs> mention that twin barbecue brothers, but and I we mean, bicker, we bicker like professionals. So. <laughs> You're listening to the food that binds on the eat, drink, dine podcast network. I'm Jennifer Zeman and I'm speaking with Justin and Jonathan Fox. But I mean, is it, I mean, you also seem to have a lot of kind of quote unquote Atlanta family 
like Bo, your partner, yeah. I mean, seems like he's like an honorary brother in a yeah, way. Yeah. It's interesting because you say that like you met, you moved here, you didn't know anybody. And you guys just seem to have built this amazing network of people in Atlanta and people that don't work in restaurants or live in Atlanta don't get it. But Atlanta's like a really interesting restaurant community because it's really small and really tight. Do you guys see that too? Or is that just my perspective? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a completely tight knit family. I mean, it's, it's even if you don't know each other, when you meet each other, it's like you've known each other forever. No, just because you're going through the same things. It's like when we first opened up, you know, our GM at the time had no restaurant experience. He was straight business experience, you know, coming from Comcast. And I remember one day, uh, Rhea, she called us asking for some to-go uh, stuff. And he was like, we can't give it to her. She's competition. And I was like, she's, you know, she's the restaurant down the road. If we need something, She's going to come and give it to us, you know? So I was like, we have to. We have no choice but to do it, you know, and we're going to do it. And the same thing happened when the tree fell on the restaurant. The first person that showed up was Rhea with a bottle of whiskey. You know, and said, come on, let's drink. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's always been, even before Team Heidi and, you know, Team Heidi was happening about the same time that our chef, Charlotte had cancer and we were both actually, we didn't know it at the time, but we we're both planning similar style events to help them out, you know, to help out our chef as they were planning their event to help out, you know, uh, Ryan, you know, it's just once that came together, I mean, it just solidified, you know, the family of Atlanta restaurants. And I think Atlanta is overlooked. Um, a lot as having an incredible restaurant team, you know, it's, it's I, one of the best. I, I you know, and, and we, we've traveled a lot and we've eaten out a lot and, and, and there are, there are not to describe, there are a lot of great restaurants in, in this country and in the world, but I mean, Atlanta just, you know, I mean, it's, it's got great food and great restaurants and great people that are running it. And, and, and I remember we went up, we we're up in New York for Big Apple Barbecue, and 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 we went out, and you know, we went to a, you know a well-known steak spot, and, and and the steak was not great. I was like, no, I remember, oh, you, I remember that table. It was like overflowing. That's yeah. <laughs> crazy. And and, and I, I came back, and and you know, and I went to, I called Kevin Rathman. I was like, hey, uh, you got room tonight? And he, I mean, I, I just I got to scratch this itch and. And it was so, it was like everything you want it to be, you know, that New York steak experience and half the price and everything. But, you know, it was just, and getting to know the people and, and the operators and, and, and it's just, a, it's a small, it's a big town with a small town feel, you know, and, and getting to know the owners and the operators and, and people hit us up for tables and, and I, you know, ask them for tables and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's a great little network to have. It's interesting though. I just, I do wonder, I'm trying not to talk about the pandemic too much because hopefully we're kind of eking on out of it, except for the Delta variant, but, um, and, like it, right? and, I, and I'm trying to like make this be evergreen too, but I am curious about your thoughts about just what's going on right now with the restaurant scene, with people having an impossible find time, trying to find people to work and also this reckoning 
with the life work balance. I mean, you guys have always seemed to do a really good job managing life and work. You know, what do you think, what do you think is going to happen to the industry? I mean, I feel like one of the things I keep saying is it's a control alt delete and I don't know where we end up. Is anything going to change? I think it needed a reset, you know, it, it, I think there was, uh, I don't, don't want this to come out wrong, but uh, there were so many restaurants opening up that, I mean, you know, people were just hiring anybody and paying anything they, you know, and, and I think it needed to reset to allow the people that are good at the job to earn what they should be getting. And I think that, 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 you know, I, we learned early on when we opened up the restaurant, I think the first year and a half, two years, I mean, we were, we were in there, you know, if, if, if which you have to be, you know, understandable, understandable. Um, but one of my partners was like, you guys, you, you got to take a vacation. You need to get out. So, you know, I learned, Hey, you always got to find time for yourself. So, you know, I think, there were there were lessons learned. I mean, as successful as we are, when when COVID struck in, in that first couple that first month, March, I mean, was scary. I mean, we we had we had big events in in January and February and and then in March the bill came due when business was shutting down. So, you know, it was like luckily we did a lot of to go business and, and things like that. We could we could flip. We had you know, we already had deals in place with, you know, delivery services. So we weren't paying the fees that everybody was paying, but we were relying on that small part of our business to feed a lot of things. So, you know, it was scary. No matter how successful you were, you know, we thought this could go away very quick. And and so that, that all that, you know, made us feel grateful for, you know, it was like like a refresh in a way where we got to say, look, this could go away any minute let's let's actually do the things that we talk about you know and try to try to go but we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day you know and and let's let's allow our staff time for themselves and let's you know let's make our pay right and you know we're 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 hiring now and, and people are starting to come back we're you know we're we're filling positions but you know we're offering you know you know we week vacations paid time off for you know pretty much part-time employees that's unheard of that's unheard of it's just it's just things like that like hey we can get anybody in here but let's let's find people that want to come here and want to grow with us and and, as we continue to expand so you know let's let's set these these foundations now while we you know we have a moment to breathe and talk about it and let's make it right moving forward you know we felt like we were right then, but now let's really make it right. We've seen what can happen. I mean, who would have thought that would have happened? And and now that we've been through it, let's let's see what we can do to make it better. You know, we have to take care of our family that supports us every day. And, and you know, and when we need new family members, we want them to, you know, not just feel like an employee. You know, we want them to know that, hey, we're here to take care of you. If you take care of us, we're always going to look out for you. We got your back and we'll do whatever we can to help you out. So, you know, looking forward, uh, it's, you know, it, I think it's, um, I think it's going to be a really good thing for the restaurant industry and you know, w- definitely well needed. Do you think it's going to eliminate like bad operators? 
or do they're they're just going to always be guys that like mistreat their employees? I just feel like it's increasingly not okay. Like when I first got my first job at a cooking school and I was the only female line cook in the back of like an all French male kitchen. And they were like, you know, you gotta be like a man, like that wouldn't fly now, you know? I mean, but you guys seem to create a really nice culture. I don't think everyone does that. And I do think that is part of why people don't want to come back to working at certain restaurants. Not every restaurant is Fox Bros. Well, we made a, we made a, a commitment a couple of years before the, the pandemic set in to, to, you know, really focus on that, that creating and, and, and making that culture come true. And, you know, I think, you know, it, there were before the pandemic there were just so many restaurants opening you know people could go down the street and they're like why would i why would i you know do this when i can go down the street and work less and make the same amount of money well you find out hey you know it just because you're making more money down there doesn't mean you have a better situation you know there could be you know bad operator bad managers you know you're you're not heard you know they're they're there are situations you're in that aren't getting resolved. And, and so, you know, making sure that all that, all those environments are, are handled and, and, and paid attention to, you know, just reiterates, Hey, this is a good, safe work environment to come aboard and grow with. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the most important thing to us. You can tell, you can definitely tell. So, I mean, did the, did the last year change the way you do business at all? Did it change the way you guys felt about food? I know, I know for me, I was definitely a scaredy cat for a while. <laughs> Anything that was prepared by anyone that wasn't me. Um, I, remember, I, I remember the one of the funny things my wife and I, I think we went to, uh, we went to one of the local uh, bars and, you know, cause we, we'd switched, you know, we, 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 dry, we dramatically reduced our menu. You know, we got rid of a whole bunch of things, you know, and, and I remember the first time we had French fries. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. Fresh, hot French fries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because right. yeah. um, I mean, we, we cooked at home and, and, and we, you know, we maybe ate out once a week or something like that. But I just remember that was one of the things. I, um, you know, it was kind of just, we were just flying. It just seems like the last several years, you're just rolling. I mean, we we're traveling a lot, you know, and, and doing events. And people would ask us, come here, come here, come here, do this. And then being at home for a year and just getting back to focus on like cooking and, and, you know, kind of just like regroup the menu and change, you know, some honed in on some recipes and tweak some things and just made things better. They gave us a time to like stop and say, man, yeah, we're traveling and doing all these things for the brand and, and, and exposing it, but let's get back to the, you know, what brought us here and the product that, that, you know, got us to do those things. And so, it was kind of cooking. I mean, and you guys lead the the recipes and the menu. No, I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean that's you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I I took on my my big thing. It's I, I think I got to you know I spent most of the pan- pandemic learning how to make flour tortillas. You know, it was like my whole thing. And and my wife is is El Salvador from El Salvador, and you know obviously she prefers the corn tortilla, but she's actually you know she's like oh yes bring. Yeah, she was like, we're, we're out. We're running low. 
Yeah, my partner, he's from California. He's Mexican from California. So he likes flour tortillas. And I like my family's Mexico from Mexico. So Mexican yeah. from Mexico. So I like corn. Yes. It's well, we're, it's, it's, it's Texas. we're house divided. Yeah. And she and she spent some time in, in the Sonoran part of, of Mexico. And so she's like, oh, you know, that's too thick. I like a little thinner. And so. <laughs> Well, I, I I think that we've covered all of my questions. There's anything that comes up for you guys that we did not talk about. Do you want to talk about the new restaurant? I'm going to ask you if you want to plug anything, but is there anything else that you want to speak on while you have people's ears? I mean, I think the uh, the main thing is is you know there's been so much supply chain and all these issues going on, and and barbecue has always been like a, a, a know misnomer being a uh, cheap food and and it's it's not it's labor intensive i actually i, I remember recently right before the pandemic happened i had a customer we he he was picking up a to-go order and he was complaining to the host about the uh the size of you know the amount of meat that he got with his order and uh, so i just walked up to him and said you know how can i help you and he's like oh, i just you know for what I paid, this is, does not look right. And so, there's no problem. Let me take this back to the kitchen for you. We'll get you, we'll get you another order. And um, so, I, you know, I had the the meat guys, the guys that sliced the meat. You know, they weighed out the order, and it was what it was supposed to be. But I was like, you know, let's give them another slice of brisket, and um, you know, just to appease them and make sure he left here happy. And and when I brought it back to him. He, instead of saying thank you, he said, barbecue is supposed to be cheap. And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, all right. And meat, meat prices are, are far from cheap. And, and you know, we we spend a lot of time, you know, we lock in. We, we make sure all of our product is, you know, all of our pork is never frozen. It's always fresh. It's within a pack date. I mean, our brisket is prime. It's uh, CAB certified, um, you know, and... And all that comes at an expense and, and we try not to raise our prices, but you know, when we do people, people complain and, and, and we're like, you know, there's so many factors, you know, going in, especially in a barbecue an environment where, you know, you're, you're, you're providing better lifestyles to your employees and, and, and all that comes at an expense. So yes, barbecue is not a cheap thing. <laughs> I wish that, that, that old adage would go away. Well, it's the same with Mexican food. It pisses mm-hmm. me off. People don't want to pay upscale prices for Mexican cuisine. You no. know, even if it has so much labor, like a mole, you guys know, because you appreciate mm-hmm. it yeah, so much yeah. and you've traveled there so many, how intensive that is. It's the same with barbecue. I mean, each of those briskets has to be babysat, yeah. you know, yeah. and like well, loving me. I mean, we get, a, we get a 15 pound brisket in, a 15, 17 pound brisket. We trim it. And then that's down, down to like, you know, 13, 14 pounds, you cook it. And now it's down to nine pounds, you know? So it's like, you, and, and we're paying that raw cost of when it first hits the door. So, you know, it's just, it's like, I have people don't take all that into consideration, but it's a, it's a labor of love. And I hear a lot of supply chain issues right now. I, I heard from Farshid over at Yumi that, I mean, they're having mm-hmm. a hard time even getting rice yeah. or a sushi restaurant. I actually went there the other day and ate on their patio and it was, you're talking about having hot French fries. It was the first time I'd had a piece of nigiri mm-hmm. that like after it had been made in like two yeah. years. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, and someone brought me a drink and I was like, Oh, this is why I used to like this. so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot. I don't have to make it. The first time we went out to eat, you know, I was just like, 
But, you know, we got some crudo, we got some oysters, and we got some crudos. And then after the crudos, my wife and I looked at each other, we're like, we're full. <laughs> I, was like, we're, I was like, we're out of practice. <laughs> well, good, it's because you're full on the experience, probably, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, something, Christiane, when I interviewed her for the podcast, she said that she's always looked at dining at a restaurant like she's like renting the space for the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I love that, that she's really like, not just there for the food, you know, she's really there to like, experience. Yeah. yeah, I think you guys do a really good job with that. So tell us about the new place, anything that we didn't talk about earlier, what's, um, it's going to be bigger. It's, there's going to be more space to linger, more parking and the menu the same. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, I, you know, we're going to, we're going to have uh, a couple items that, you know, have been in demand on there full time versus uh, at the cab. The cab, our original location is that menu is going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Our new location is going to have a couple items that that aren't featured at the cab, but will be over there. Uh, there will be some items on the cab menu that won't be on the west side menu. So we'll see how that goes over. But um, uh, you know, we're going to have, like I said, a larger to go counter. We're going to have the the property at the works is um, open container. So we'll have to go beverage, you know, to go windows for beverages on both sides of the restaurant. Um, we have an indoor outdoor bar, big patio, two patios, I think. And um, we're going to, the main thing is we're going to have a uh, private dining space too. So we get hit up all the time for people to. I tried know, to get you guys for my wedding mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't rent it at the time. So long. Yeah. Ago. I mean, for the, for the amount of business that we do. And plus we, we, we hate to, you know, shut our door. Um, totally. we, like when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, I mean, we went back and forth on, on buyouts and, and we just, you know, we're like, well, it's, you know, it'd be great money grab, but, but at the end of the day, you know, if someone walks up and, and pulls on the door and it's locked, the I mean, worst feeling as a, it's a lasting impression, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, that was just always something that we looked at and, and so we'll have a private dining space and, and, so we, you know, are, are these are this West Side location is kind of a it's a it's a grand undertaking, but it's not going to be the footprint moving forward. It was just like, hey, we're in the right space in the right location, and let's let's do some of these things before we start expanding. And when can people look for this to open its doors? Hopefully in hopefully August. Knocking yeah, knocking on wood. Um, <laughs> Mid to late August, where you were. Um, we're, look, we're going through our um, CEO inspections right now. Uh, we hope to have that wrapped up by the week, but there's just no telling how long. The city is just... It's very up. slow, no matter yeah. what year, even without a pandemic. And I is there hear, any... I did oh, hear sorry. that the city is, is back in the office, so things should start picking up. But nice. we're still... We still... The city says it's two to three weeks on CEO turnarounds, and most construction sites are, are saying, you know, it's more like four to six weeks. So, I mean, hmm. thinking back to when we opened up the Cab Avenue, uh, the timeline of opening a restaurant back then compared to now is so different. I mean, it's well, the the whole process of it. I mean, yeah. back then it was we we found our we found our location on a Friday. We saw a for rent sign. Sunday we went and looked at it, and and Monday signed the lease. Signed the lease. <laughs> we spent we spent two and a half years on the lease negotiation. And, and I don't even want to think about how much money on lawyers negotiating. Oh my lease. God. I mean, it's just like, oh, man, 
It's a lot of billable hours. You know, it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that anymore. Right. And, and do you guys, do you have any events coming up? I have no idea what time is right now. So I don't know if you have a Foxeria or a hogs for the cause or, uh, or anything going on. So we, uh, I'm actually sitting down with, uh, my clank and talk tomorrow and we're working on planning for a Foxeria. Uh, we're going to pick a date, um, in hopefully in September. And this is the event they do at Taqueria del Sol, which is some of my favorite food festival food. The Hatch Chili Festival. The Hatch Chili Festival. That's right. Oh my God. He did like some like cheese dip stuff, chili relleno or poblano Mm -hmm. one year. I still think of the way that tasted. Yeah. And you know, Taqueria del Sol had that, that festival for years and and then they kind of went away and we sat down with them. We're like, how can we bring that back? I love those guys. I mean, Mike and Eddie at Tuckery are great. I mean, they're, they're Atlanta institutions and, and, you know, Mike, Mike is 70 something years old. Mm-hmm. He's still pulling shifts. He yep. still works behind the bar. I don't think he'll ever stop working. No. I don't think so. No. No. So it. you're working on a Fox Surreal date and anything else that you guys uh, have coming up? We got a couple of out of town events, but, um, you know, it's, it's good that those little festivals are starting to come back. Um, I just in November uh, we're going to be in Charleston. Our friends from Home Team Barbecue and Swig and Swine Barbecue out there have put together a festival called Holy Holy Smokes, and um, it's a similar in vain to what Big Apple Barbecue did by bringing a bunch of um, some of the best uh, barbecue restaurants in the country in one location. They haven't. Um, as of now, which uh, they haven't officially announced a lot, but I mean, there'll be, you know, um, Matt Horn out of Oakland, uh, Miguel from Valentina's in Austin, uh, Rodney, Pat, Sam, you know, a bunch of the, you know, the, the, it's going to be a great barbecue lineup. So that's going to, that's second, second weekend in November in Charleston to be. That sounds like holy time. smokes. Holy yeah. smokes. And so where can people follow you guys on social and whatnot? Uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. We're all on all that. Um, Fox, Fox Bros Barbecue, B-A-R-B-Q is our social media outlet. Uh, you can always get to it off our website. Yeah, we're, we're out there running around. And, and, you know, I try to, I try to, um, I still run our social media and, 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 and our PR company always tries to offer to take it over, but I'm like, I just, I want it to feel like it's a real person, mm-hmm. not just a, you know, not a Tuesday's taco day, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. I know you guys are super busy and I will follow back up with you guys when, when it's ready to go live. Thank you for having us. Right. Yeah, we appreciate thanks. It. thanks guys. Thank you. That's this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Justin and Jonathan for being here today. Next week, I'm joined by Judith Winfrey and Joe Reynolds, the husband and wife team behind Love is Love Farm, which has been at Gaia Gardens for years, but is now moving to its own permanent spot. We discuss the move, their food origin stories, and what it's like to be in business with your spouse. Again, we're back on Wednesday, and this is Jennifer Zeman, your host of the Food That Binds on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. 